Hello and welcome to This Contains Garlic. You're here with your host, Georgia Garlic and... Mark Garlic. And we're back and today we're talking about dieting. Well, actually we're going to talk about multiple things to do with dieting strategies, dieting, uh, popular dieting things um, and just create some clarity for you as to what would be right for you to do with your goals. So, without further ado. <laughs> <laughs> How professional, 101. Very, that was a very good intro. I'm quite, I'm very tired today. That was actually a really good intro. Wow. It was. Normally it, it starts was. with something to do with fuck or who knows what. But, um, no, my body is very achy, very... <laughs> I am, like, a cardboard box right now. I literally, like, couldn't be more... Rigid, fatigued, fatigued. Yeah, that's probably the word. Um, we're not actually talking. Would about you say that you're gym. stiff, Mark? Don't bring this. Section. No doms, as in doms. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, my body's just. I don't even know if it's doms. It's not like I can't like move my body correctly. I don't, but it's just fatigue. Like I just feel like we've had a little bit of a change of room, haven't we? A little change in scenery. A bit of change of scenery. We've got some some things. Um, Changing with the old work life, yeah, uh, which has meant that we are we have changed gyms because we yeah. need obviously like a more like membership based gym where we can utilize it when we are like in other areas as well. But anyway, like this gym's really really good actually where we've been training. Mm-hmm. Very good. We've had some insanely good sessions there to the point where we've I've only now been there up, twice. Yeah, I've now ended up on Friday. But to be fair, actually, I've trained. We've done five days, so today, tomorrow is definitely a rest day. Is um, it? You're like, yeah, I yes, Sunday. Oh, tomorrow is Saturday, that's why. Oh, yes, because we're recording this on Friday, so there's the update. Or do you not want to go and do a class, maybe? Oh, Mark, for fuck's sake, how much volume spin-a-roo. do you want? Should we talk about it? Should we just quickly talk about how I'm feeling versus why you're maybe perhaps not feeling it? I am feeling it, though. Are you feeling it? That's even more concerning, isn't it? <laughs> Not as much as you, so because relatively... because uh, we got into a new gym, decided that just to get kind of like used to things, we train together. Because, you know, this gym offers actually everything, like ridiculously good equipment, actually, to be quite mm. honest with you. Um, and so we're training together. And do you want to tell everyone that we've literally been lifting the same amount of weight for... Yeah, for relatively, yes. Not all the exercises. Not all the exercises. On your triceps, maybe. I went up on triceps. I went up on arms. Arms, okay. Arms and your chest. Chest. Classic. 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 (laughs) Literally, Mark went up on his arms Mm. and his chest because obviously, as a woman, even though my biceps are. Can my but my excuse is that to keep the the session as fluid as possible, keep the intensity up. It's just Don't sometimes... Don't make excuses. We're lifting a fuck ton of weight and you're just sometimes like not Sometimes it's just not it. uh, conducive to, you know, strip the weight on and off all the time. What are we stripping weights on and off for? Did you need to strip the weight off when I was doing something and you were like, fuck, that's really hard? Uh, today, doing the hip thrust, yeah. <laughs> and also, like, RDL, you were like, oh, fuck, are we really starting with that? Do you yeah, know what I mean? And I, I was like... No, just do my first, because, again, I think we also warm up slightly differently, where I like to do one or two, like, opening sets. Oh, fuck off, Mark. Honestly, you're so full of bullshit. Just be honest, do you know what I mean? Be honest the fact that, like, you have been fatigued as fuck, and we've lifted the same amount of weight. 
Are you going to be honest? Barring your fucking triceps, which your upper body is much and, bigger than mine. And my arms. And okay, my and just and your fucking arms. But Mark, we do curls sometimes with the same amount. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we can. We can, I'm but I can do the, more. I'm focusing on my technique. Oh, and your iron mark. mind muscle Whose connection. Whose technique do you think's better? Um, yours, um, that's exactly so yeah anyway mark's got a number of excuses why he won't just give me the i'm also just trying to be supportive how are you being supportive you're being unsupportive you're actually telling me that i'm like everything that we've done you haven't found difficult and i'm meant no, it to has have been found. difficult they have been you know the the superset of the rdls and the one-arm row that we did was, was horrible yeah, I mean, probably, so. um, but it was also do. I guess this all comes down to. We're not talking about intensity today. We'll talk about it another time. Um, we spoke about it last on exercise selection about intensity of training, but like it can literally make and break. Well, make or break you, but in the sense of just like there's a very big difference between going in and doing, I don't know, a single arm row and an RDL at like four out of ten versus training at like a nine out of ten, sometimes to failure. Do you know what I mean? That's a very big difference in intensity. But anyway, I think I we are obviously at the start of a new year, 2024, mm. and things are coming back into cycle in the dieting world, I have seen, and Mark yeah, has seen also. I've seen a very large increase in intermittent fasting, just which, in everywhere I've looked with regards to general population news outlets, with regards to forums and you know the places that we frequent. I think what we should do really today is, I think what we want to talk about is like, what is the right dieting strategy for you? And I think, you know, dieting and diet, you know, are two very different words in, in, in my opinion. I think dieting is being something which is something you do in order to see a result. And I feel like your diet is something that like makes, it makes up what you eat on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. But what is that that right strategy for you? And I think we wanted to talk about this because so many people jump onto different dieting trends or strategies mm. because maybe somebody else has succeeded in it or they're influenced yeah. in that way or you think it's best. Yeah. But actually, I think when you look at going to diet, which I hate mm. these words, but you want to go, say, for example, you want to lose weight, you want to get in shape, you want to sort shit out. Um, you always have to weigh up your strategy, your dieting strategy with your adherence and be really quite brutally honest with yourself as to whether or not you are going to be adherent to what you've set out to do. Because I think dieting strategies are something that you don't always should, you should never always feel like you need to fall back on all the time. Because I think like a diet is something that you should be doing for like dieting is done for a period of time. And you also want to be sort of envisioning like, okay, well, after I've done X amount of weeks at doing what I am doing, can I see myself like forever sticking to this? And this is where I come to our relationship and opinions and experience with tracking food comes in because it effectively allows you to follow some kind of target in some way or another, but keep the data, the records, the insights to build that knowledge um, of your diet. And all you have to then do with tracking food, if you want to do something like lose weight, is just adapt sort of the inputs and outputs, which makes it a very easy and sustainable approach to dieting mm, mm. now 
if we go on to the likes of a lot of different dieting strategies and I think we could also throw in here heavy calorie deficits as well which is mm. something that we see happen quite frequently uh, with people that perhaps don't really know their client or have a willingness or client to understand or they don't really you know to understand somebody's lifestyle and then they go and shove them on a very very high well, a very low amount of calories, but a high calorie deficit in the sense of how many calories are being reduced on a day-to-day -day basis, which means that like you kind of shortchange that person in a few weeks' time, um, and it never ends up that successful. But I think we want to go into stuff like you know, adherence and dieting have to go hand in hand. Mm. Would you obviously that's there's like no the such thing as dieting without adherence? I don't think. I think if you can't stick to something consistently, then you can't put a label on or on it like I am dieting. If you, if there is no consistency, then there is no essential diet. You're just eating. Yeah, you're just eating. I think this is really important because when people say, "Oh, I'm going on a diet," it's like, but what are you going on a diet? Like you already consume food on a day-to-day -day basis. If you didn't, you'd be dead. Mm. So, at what point is that any different? You know, and where we like to see nutrition with clients, for example, and their diets, is You've got to look at somebody's lifestyle and you've got to ask the questions, you know what I mean? Like, mm. what is your lifestyle on a day-to-day basis? And really go into it, like go into the nitty-gritty to understand what approach is right to tell a client. Now, I'm not always saying that every single time tracking is the best answer mm. to every for every person. That's true. Um, it's not always been the best answer for some of our clients, but for majority of them that need to understand how to manage their weight in the long term and also give them that amazing flexibility, tracking has been that wonderful, educating, empowering tool. But again, I come down to the point of why is somebody tracking? You know, what is your reason to track food? And if I'm honest with you, this is where the relationship, where people go tracking doesn't work, becomes skewed. Because we, with our clients, clients come to us for a result at the end of the day. They come to us with a goal in which it needs to be achieved. No matter what that result is, normally it comes down to adapting some kind of level of body composition, losing weight, building strength, taking control of their habits. So if we go and plaster them into some mold of, you know, ridiculously low calories and they're tracking for endless amounts of time, naturally you're going to see a sort of hatred and resentment towards tracking. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of these things when you don't utilize tools properly, and I've said this so many times, they almost just become like you just shouldn't be doing it. Mm -hmm. And we've said this to numerous clients, like, there's two ways you can look at it. You've got people that want to achieve a goal within a set a period of time. And then you have people that have much greater goals, you know, which are going to take a much longer duration of time. And, you know, I always say to people, like, if you're in a position where you've got pretty good relationship with yourself, the scale, you know, you're just, you just realize that perhaps, you know, you've just piled a few kilos and you just need to, you know, get rid of it you know that by the time you've got it off the scale you know what I mean you're going to be feeling good ready you're in control and it's not that challenging then I would say that obviously tracking is your first go-to but also like what do you do afterwards with mm. like your nutritional habits and so I want to circle back round to like intermittent fasting at the start because this what Mark mentioned 
has been prevalent in the nutritional world for many years mm. and has been utilized in so many different ways in our industry, whether it's sort of like by books being sold or methods being sold based around fasting. Um, and 2024 comes around and it seems to be quite a popular topic again in mm. the nutritional industry as to whether or not mm. in terms of fasting is more beneficial for people to do on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm. And again, I come down to linking dieting or any kind of dietary tool uh, with weight loss, you know, and adherence, you know. Mm. And intermittent fasting is something which I say this, I'm not against it. Mark's I can see why I can it. see why it's popular because I it don't just, think it's a nutritional I don't I don't classify it puts, it puts a very black and white, you know, time frame on on eating. You know, you can consume calories between X and X time. You don't have to necessarily think again because traditional intermittent fasting is not necessarily promoting you have having to eat certain food groups and certain macro groups it's you can eat pretty much whatever you want you just have to limit uh, the time constraint in which you then eat and for a lot of people being you know saying to them okay you need to stop eating at 7 p.m 8 p.m is going to have a dr dramatic change in their overall calorie intake considering the vast majority of our calories are consumed at night but so, i actually would i appreciate i appreciate so like, this it, but it, it really doesn't. does suit a, yeah it doesn't but in i'm not saying it it does or it doesn't practically the um, what i'm saying is the assumption with regards the you know the notions attached to the dietary methods the assumption uh, is that you're going to limit your calorie intake at a specific time which statistically for a lot of people at night when they're eating very palatable very calorie dense drinking a glass of wine so on and so forth if you nip that in the bud that is going to in its own right have such a large impact on just the like george was saying the the, the ingoings and the outgoings um it kind of resonates with people that shift do shift work uh, so I, I can kind of see no i can oh, I'm, I'm, i am never been against no. intermittent fasting well i have massive issues with it where i have issues with everything to do with losing weight is the fact that there is no there's absolutely no point embarking on trying to lose weight where you lose weight for a period of time and then you go and regain it. What is the absolute, what is the point of putting yourself through that kind of process in order to just then go backwards? So where intermittent fasting goes wrong, hideously wrong in my opinion, is what do you do in your non-fasted hours when you still do not have an understanding of your inputs per day? You have no understanding of your dietary preferences, your diet, what you should be intaking. So actually, yes, it might stop people eating later in the mm. evening because they're like, okay, you've got to eat from this time yeah. to this time. But I've also seen this... Uh, this this panic when people fast which is i've got to get all my food in by that time and they end up actually over consuming mm. in the hours in which they can eat so that they feel like they're not sort of yeah. being restricted and yeah. nothing's Again, being amiss and this is a problem because they're calories but that's human psychology that's human deadline. psychology 
influencing and bastardizing the methodology of the diet because again the diet is not taking that into consideration that there would be no the diet if the majority, humans weren't doing it no but i'm just saying like intermittent for that when they came up with the concept of intermittent fasting i probably you know if you weren't client facing on a on a regular basis the scientist is not going to think of the you know traditional human behavior of and we've seen this all the time with especially that lady she's doing intermittent fasting and she'll eat drive you know before her time frames up she'll sit in her car and she'll consume thousands and thousands worth of calories because you know, it's like. But also, this said, is what I say like, intermittent fasting think... is not addressing the emotional, no. psychological impact that your weight gain or your weight has on you. So, mm. if you. And it's have... also not taking into consideration your body composition, which, again, all diets don't really take into com- consideration your body composition. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, okay, so let's say on the days that you are. Uh, fasting and you're only meant to eat 500 calories you're in a very catabolic state where your body is going to be sparing a lot of you know muscle mass as the most readily available source of energy and that is going to have a reductive impact on your basal metabolic rate and metabolic health in the long term but again it's not going in in to the practice looking at body composition and saying well you know, we can't, under no circumstances, do we want to lose lean muscle mass because that's going to leave people in a lot worse position. So within the context of intermittent fasting, we need to also make sure people adhere to adequate protein intake and regular meal timings and so on and so forth. It's a devoid I, I, of that. Can I be honest with you? I appreciate that intermittent fasting can create a routine but you'll find that a lot of these methodologies have like, you know, you look at the 5-2, you've got, you know, two days at 800 calories, five days at restricted time, whatever, do you know what I mean? That, if, let's talk actually what it does, to, it impacts you on a day-to-day basis and how you feel. Because if you're somebody that wakes up, you've got a busy, you know, job, do you know what I mean? You've got to be up and at it, pretty early doors. You also want to see, like, pretty good progress in the gym, you know, and perhaps you're in a starting position where your digestion's a bit fucking skew-if, do you know what I mean? You deal with, like, large, you know, amounts of bloating, distress of your stomach, and then you go and decide to sort of fast, you have no... Your body runs internal clocks. Those internal clocks... It's like an almost surprise when you leave yourself with long durations without food and then feed it. Your body's not in a better state to digest it. It's like, it's, as I say, it's like a surprise. So people can end up, you know, if you're somebody that's, number one, no energy, no energy. This is the problem. Mm. You've got no energy to live your life on a day-to-day basis mm. because you've put no energy in. Plus, you're likely, when you're going through these periods of fasting, to also exercise. You know, people do have that psychological uh, link between I'm trying to lose weight or doing fasting, whatever, I'm also going to exercise. And that output increases, obviously, the level of hunger you have, mm. like how you feel. And I don't, it, I think, oh, I, I think I, I, it, it is not, in my opinion, it is not a nutritional strategy because it offers no nutritional value. It is a calorie budgeting strategy to mm. help you manage your calories throughout the day. So in order to get yourself to that position, 
You've got to do the work to learn about yourself, your diet, your nutrition, how you like to eat, understand your inputs and outputs, and then, and then you can strategize how you're gonna actually manage that, mm. perhaps once you've done it properly first. And the likelihood is, is once you've eaten three consistent meals a day, a couple of snacks at reasonable, you know, similar timings, got your body into that routine, you're not going to want to rely on something like intermittent fasting. Like, if I want, for example, my output in the gym to be mm. as high as it is in the sense of not calories burnt, I'm talking, you know, the amount of intensity I put into my training, fasting is like the last thing that I should be doing because I literally have stars in my eyes 24-7. Mm. Mm. And also, I it's I think in the sense of adapting your body composition, coming back to the thing that diet diets that you see in the general don't take into consideration they might take into consideration oh they're losing weight off the scale fabulous mm, do you know what mm. i mean but they don't take in consideration that protein intake now mm -hmm. look at fasting okay people struggle as it is over a 12 14 hour day to even reach the relative protein target they should be eating now mm. go and shorten that time frame again where are you going to be put, you know, putting this in? Are you going to be shoving it in your mouth, trying to get three meals, decent meals with 50 grams of protein in to reach your target? No. You know, no, because you're probably then going to sacrifice. And this is the problem. Mm. People can't actually reach the relative macronutrient targets when they fast, because again, they don't necessarily understand the strategies needed mm. in their nutrition to do so. Mm. So I just think with any diet, so whether you like it or not, like I say, diet should not be something that you are always thinking about going on. That it is just the worst uh, mindset to be having and it also opens you up for that all or nothing yo-yo approach. Mm. So if you are somebody that like, want, you know, you're sat in a situation and you want to lose weight, think of it logically, you know, so, whether you know or not, to lose weight, we have to be in an energy deficit. We have to not consume as many calories as we normally consume, and we have to reserve that. And we mm. also have to adapt it via energy output, mm -hmm. which I think is another dieting strategy we should talk about, which is not necessarily directed at nutrition, mm -hmm. but it's people's reliance on energy output mm. when it comes to losing weight and also that how that has that impact on dietary, well, inputs. strategies and inputs, you know, going forward. So exercise, something that I would say far too many people have as the complete reliance on to lose weight. Far too many people mm. think that exercise is, is going to help you or make you suddenly lose 10 kilos, 12 kilos, 15 kilos, mm. 20 kilos. Now, let's talk about that because I feel like we need to probably go into metabolism, what that makes up, do you know what I mean? Mm. And, mm. and also then, I guess, why we're even coming to that point in the first place. So go. So go. So go, um, yeah, so go. Yeah, your metabolism has is made up of various inputs and outputs in which exercise is a very small percentage of your total daily energy expenditure. So if you go to the gym and you train as hard as you physically can, in reality, you're probably only burning 150, 250 calories at 
tops not including your basal metabolic rate which your activity trackers take into consideration when you exercise hence the reason why you get such high numbers as like oh, i've burned 800 calories in this workout which again is uh, factually incorrect so exercise is a very small portion of your metabolic input into your total daily energy expenditure and a lot of people hang their hat on going to the gym and and exercising formally as you know their uh, measuring stick of success of whether or not they're gonna you know see weight loss or muscle gain or any form of body composition changes and like Georgia said the you know, formal exercise is a very small percentage of your total daily energy expenditure and trying to rely on yeah, exercise or NEAT or expenditure because, you know, the reality is, is there's a glaringly obvious mm-hmm. problem with your calorie intake. The people are under the assumption that they can then, you know, the stereotypical saying trying to outwork a bad diet is so hard. is very difficult. <laughs> But I mean, like, I mean, you know, there's, but there's also this approach where Unless you, people you know, feel like st- if they burn more, they can eat more. Yeah, but they look at someone like, I don't know, Matt Fraser, the CrossFit, you know, the CrossFit phenom, who's like the world's fittest man, five or six times running. And they see someone like that just eat pounding, um, you know, burgers and drinking shakes and you know but these guys are trained and girls are training eight hours a day do you know what I mean and <laughs> that's, that's a different, very different between being an athlete and just yeah being a you population. sat on your ass all day in the office you know eight hours a day you get up you go to the gym you do let's be honest 45 minutes 50 minutes of relative you know you know relative to the individual an intense workout quote-unquote in in commas and then you're like oh I earned the right to then eat like a child and that's what generally you know puts people in the position that they're in where their body fat levels are so high that it's impacting their metabolic health you know and I also hear quite a lot when it comes to women I hear this a lot I hear a lot from women that they build muscle so easily (laughs) So easily. This oh, is what you're going to talk about when people refer to themselves as foodies. I'm a foodie. It's like. No, no, yeah, no. no. Sure. I was talking yeah. about the fact that a lot of women are like, yeah, I build muscle too quickly, so I need to rein back on the strength training because I think that's the reason why that I feel like a bit like, bulky. And I'm like, no, like, no, 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 let's turn into your diet quickly. Oh, wait. Do you know that's I mean? the equivalent nothing... of saying, I'm too scared to save money because I'm too scared to become a billionaire. Do you know what I mean? It's, re- it's the, a the ridiculous Being realistic statement. with you, muscle is something that unless you are doing it to the T as a beginner, like I'm talking like to the T, you've got an insane strength and conditioning coach that fucking programs you the absolute best of the best. You tick all the boxes and you are a beginner. Building muscle is fucking hard work, okay? And you need to be doing it consistently. And I've ticked every single box in order to be rewarded with what muscle is, to be quite mm. honest with you. And it's not also about building muscle, it's maintaining muscle, do you know what I mean? Yeah, because if you don't yourself. use it, you lose it. But I also see this trait with dieting as a sense of how many steps can I do? And people think if they move more, I eat more, do you know what I mean? And also that's been encouraged by the likes of activity trackers, yeah. my fitness pal, yeah. who like to add your calories back and give you a little bit of reward I mean, for statistically, your the assumption on that is not necessarily wrong because if you do have a higher metabolic output then you can essentially eat more but then 
like George was saying, when those estimations are being added back into your diet and those estimations are statistically between 60 to 200% off uh, overestimation, that's when you then have uh, a bit of a, an issue with regards to your metabolic rate. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You, could, you have an act- activity tracker. You could put it on. You could go for a walk and come back from a walk, and it will say that you burned 600 calories. And then that adds 600 calories back into your diet, essentially. It's not even necessarily so high. It well, could even not be even, 200, could be 200 It could be 150, and the reality is is that's not the case. It's I more specifically like, remember doing this, okay, because when I was very, very overweight, I used to go to, like, all these extreme boot camps, and, like like they were really expensive ones they're ones where you literally just went in and you got like fed like a quarter of an egg and like fucking beast into the ground and then you go for a 13 mile walk and if you're late to the session you're doing like 600 burpees and it's all very military and it's like you're you're literally broken as like a fat person like that's the only way you can describe it i remember going in with so much anxiety to these places thinking oh my god but i got into the the, the absolute addiction of tracking my calories of what I'd burn and, and valuing it against how hard I'd worked or whether that, that was a, you know, I, well, that was a bit lower. That means I didn't put as much effort in. And, you know, and it started to completely fuck my mentality to exercise. And I genuinely think no matter what exercise you choose to do, strength train always, um, <laughs> um, whatever exercise you decide to do, the end of the day, you should be doing that for the health and the mental health benefits, not the weight loss mm-hmm. benefits. There is far too much reliance on calories burnt in exercise in order to lose weight. And also, again, if you move more, if you are somebody that is a high step target achiever on a day to day basis, 15, 20,000 steps, even above 10,000, you know, up and up and up and up and you think that's afforded you to potentially eat more, you are wrong. Because at the end of the day, you know, what happens is, yes, you have effectively burnt more energy, but you end up in this horrible cycle of being reliant on that energy output in order for you to be able to consume whatever you're consuming. And that's why it's really important that you actually dial in on your movement on a day-to-day basis, or, you know, massively increase your calories to a relative amount because when you move more your hunger hormones are crying for you do you know what i mean you're there all over the place they make you so hungry like cardio for example large bouts of cardio will make you a savage throughout the day in the sense of how hungry you are and so people are i'll add on 20 minutes i'll add on this like unless you've got an absolute reason to like a competitor you know athlete physique you know what i mean and you're trying to get your physique to a certain condition Mm -hmm. i don't you doing large bouts of cardio unless you are like a right you know you enjoy running body it's it's not healthy because at the end of the day, it's that reliance that you're doing that cardio and you still are trying to claw back on something when it comes to your diet. So I think there's a, is a heavy reliance that actually, you know... This, it's, these... yeah, it's, it's a huge problem if you're not quantifying your diet because, again, most people underestimate their calorie intake by hundreds and hundreds of calories, if not double mm. the amount of calorie intake. Um, you know, nutritional studies quantify between, again, 60% of, of people underestimate their calorie intakes from 
bite here, bite there, yeah. a teaspoon Sprays, versus oils, a tablespoon, so on and so forth. And if you don't necessarily quantify your nutrition, it's quite easy to go into a training session, come out the other side and reward yourself. Or like Georgia said, when your hunger hormones undulate and your leptin and ghrelin skew because you've expended loads and loads of energy, then you can consciously or subconsciously consume more food, more calories without you, uh, you know, even knowing about it. Yeah. And so I'd say that like for those that are like, you know, we do this often with clients because, you know, clients that are high achievers, you know, the, the, the clients that come in and literally like adherences, you know, even a four out of five would be like, uh, would be a bad week for them. Do you know what I mean? Like those kind of clientele, like, we have to make sure that they're not doing too much, you know what I mean? Mm. Because as a high achiever, you're always going to want to, you know, outdo it and do it better, which is fabulous, but it's also not going to have the best reflection on your metabolism at the end of the day. So if you look at this, if you lose a lot of weight, you know what I mean? And whether you do it the right way or the wrong way or whatever, you lose a lot of weight, you are physically a smaller person. You require mm. less energy, okay? Mm. So this is why we always simultaneously want people to be building and growing muscle tissue because that has obviously a complementary mm. um it's more metabolically active absolutely so say for example clients can go full at it for you know 12 weeks 16 weeks full at it you know i'm doing i've been 15,000 steps going to keep on moving got to keep on moving problem is is that's not really realistic to their life on a day to day basis very few of our clients very few of our clients can actually physically walk over 15 to 20,000 steps a day. Very few of our clients. And so when it comes to those that are trying to be high achievers, because that's naturally how their brain works to outdo themselves, you know, and carry on pushing. The problem is with weight loss, you get to a certain position and then you're like, right, well, now we need to slow this rate of weight loss down because it's not necessarily sustainable. And we need to make sure that we are prioritizing lean muscle tissue. And it gets them to a position where they might have just walked 15,000 steps every single day for the last 12 to 16 weeks. And then life happens, that drops down to 10, which is still a fucking really decent yeah. step target a day, but it's not 15,000, it's not 20,000. In fact, it's half of that. Yeah, you know it could, what be, mean? Eight. could, could be, be eight, could be still a decent amount. Absolutely decent step target, but what it does to your metabolic rate is no bueno because the less movement you do obviously the less energy you burn and then likely is, is that even if your calories stay relatively the same you're not going to be seeing progress and you're going to start to be plateauing so it is one of these things where you have to say to people don't do more you know quality over quantity mm. and with those clients that do move a heavy amount they are rewarded in the sense with their food intake we have to keep them make sure mm. that their calories are up at a high amount because mm. you know some of our clients do have you know adhd and just need to move 24 7 and that's mm. just the way that they are but i think don't ever force yourself into being that person because it does have a direct impact in the long term yeah. if you can't sustain that so I think, you know, people always say, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it for the holiday. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's so boring just only reaching a target for a holiday, even for a wedding, for anything. It's so boring because you can't I feel like that is the vast majority it. of the Absolutely. general population. Though. I think not general population. I'd say general population in countries which don't see the fucking sunshine. I think, 
if we look at Australia, all of our Australian clients have got this inner drive to like literally be like physically in shape. Mm. They want to look, and that's because to be honest, the sun shines, less clothes on, people are active, yeah. people are outdoors, people are people have got a need on to the coast, absolutely, they've got a need to look and feel good. Um, you could see those traits in South Africa and Cape Town at some point, you know, in the mm. sense of yeah. okay, the, they definitely were the wealthier, the middle class of like Cape Town, mm-hmm. but there was the same thing. It was you know, I have a need need and a desire to look good because I'm not covered in a fleece and Wellington boots and in pissing mm. rain with three puffer jackets on. You know what I mean? And in the UK, very easy, do you know what I mean? To be pasty mm. as fuck, do you mm. know what I mean? And pile on the pounds and then be like, oh Christ, mm. just booked a holiday, need to shed a few pounds. Mm. And it's like the same cycle Heath every throw jab. year. Heathrow jab. We, we used so to call, every time listen. we used to, people from outside of the UK used to move to the UK, we used to call it the Heathrow jab, where you put on loads of white. But we were talking about this, that like we are so, in this day and age, so, like there are so many uh, factors as to why like we have such an, uh, like an obesity, like I guess you could say epidemic, pandemic. Yeah, it is an epidemic. It is, it's, it's, it, it, has, it has to, has to come down to, okay, environment is all linked to this, has to come down to the food availability. We've had this so many yeah, conversations. So many We've literally worked this out to a T in our heads and had so many conversations. It has to be the availability of food mm-hmm. that has pushed the lowest socioeconomic class who used to be the only mm. statistically obese individuals to now the middle class, the upper class, due to the availability of food and, and the, the fact you can afford it. And also the fact you can it's also, afford it's it. It's tasty, yeah. It's tasty, yes, but the availability, even if it, even if you had tasty food... The availability food, of tasty food is Absolutely, but even if you age. didn't have tasty food and it was still available, people would reach to you buy it. The, if but, it was convenient. If, if it was convenient, had, yes. If but you in, had, like, for example, there was one pastry shop in the whole of the UK, do you know what I mean? And it was far away. It would, you know, you'd have to, it would be an effort. But like you said in Zimbabwe, like you know, you didn't have that shit. Jimmy, you didn't have it. There was eat none it. of that stuff. But you know, I always say that, like you know, combine tech with food. What mm. a fucking disaster! In in, <laughs> as my I am a here we go. I'm a massive foodie. Do you know what I mean? A lot. I hate I hate saying that. But I absolutely love food. I mean, I'm a previous obese person, but not in that sense. In the sense of the fact that I love flavour. I love what food offers us. I love the nutritional value of it. I love yeah, the taste. But being a foodie but, doesn't necessarily mean you need to be gluttonous. No, I'm not saying that. Yeah, what? but I'm just saying that there's a lot of people that hide behind that. That I know I'm going. No, on. but I've clearly got someone's irritated me by saying that. So now I just feel the need why, to why like are you, you shouldn't hide. Not irritated. That's the wrong choice. But like just the the blase labelling of just trying to hide behind being gluttonous. I'm a foodie. My yeah, life Yeah, but then, like, for example, food. food availability is one of mm. those things that then combine... For example, like, I love, like, and I create... I love being inspirational to people how they can eat in their new... In their, in their diets yeah, whilst I, still eating. Can you just stop interrupting because yeah, you're going to say something again? No, 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 but I classify... Are you, if you say to me, I'm a foodie, then I, I would agree with that because... 
there is a love for food there's a love for recipes ingredients so on and so forth in a measured manner that is not an unhealthy but i also relate it to the fact that i was brought up in a family coming from a jewish background who like taught me how to cook and i think this is actually very rare for a lot of people being taught how to cook only certain Mm. cultures actually bring you up in learning how to cook yeah like I'll be really honest with you. I think Judaism is one of those. I've seen it a lot with Muslim, with the way that mm. their families and the the mm-hmm. integrational part where food comes together with mm-hmm. family and culture. Mm-hmm. But in the UK, Christianity, like I haven't seen no shit. I, what's the desire to bring people together for food? Maybe mm. I'm wrong. Um... Not really, like for example, like Judaism has a lot of food. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that is related to Ju- like Judaism. Yeah. There's lots of food that is is Jewish. Yeah. You know. But what but about Shab- uh, on Friday when you all get together for family for food? That's Shabbat, isn't it? Shabbat. No, but well, I'm not saying Jewish. Fine. I'm talking about Christianity. So I'm saying the, uh, yeah, the but UK even if you look at Ramadan, when where it's also it's fasting essentially but then but they there's come together also with heavy, yes. there's a heavy element of sitting down and breaking fast and stuff like that that brings the camaraderie <laughs> of you know religion into different like, what i'm saying is i was very lucky no, to like be brought up christianity not so much in a situation where cooking was there are stuff encouraged there are like i wouldn't again i'm not a i'm not a i went to catholic school so I don't think you're understanding what I'm trying to say. I can call myself a foodie because I was brought up learning to cook. I had such an inspiration. Like, I used to enter all the cooking competitions at school. In fact, I won them. Um, Sorry, just let me drop that. I had such a desire. And if they'd done food science, like proper food Mm. science and nutrition at school, that would have been my But do you not not see where I'm coming from? Like, saying, if putting a label on it just to kind of hide behind no i'm not we're not talking about that what i'm saying is the fact that i think a lot of people don't have or haven't been brought up in people that know how to cook or what to cook how to base meals the average person doesn't know how to cook like in the jewish tradition it's through history it really is based upon the fact that like they didn't have the availability of food because they naturally were like a, a poorer population of people and so everything that they made in their meals mm. had to be filling it had to be bulk out and it was always ways to be i guess money conscious yeah. whilst also cooking good food mm. and but when i say that like i i'm never one to want to ever restrict people on food or be desire, you know, to desire food. But when it comes to technology and food availability, mm. we now have so much influence. Like I swear to God, yeah, I even believe this. Media. If we didn't see, yes, if we didn't see the amount of food that we see on a day to day basis through so many outlets, mm. we wouldn't want it so much. I think it really, honestly, it really, I. I can't, you know, it's the same as the amount of restaurants that open. Fabulous, amazing, great for the restaurant industry. Love it. But 
it's also that availability, the franchise opening up, the restaurants on a corner, the shops there, the Deliveroo, the Just Eat, mm. the Gorillas, the Take. You know what I mean? Can you not see where that link, mm-hmm. where the the movement to get that food shortens and shortens and shortens, mm-hmm. but the availability of it largens and like you know what I mean? It's just round the corner. Could walk out, could get quickly, get a fish and chips. But also at the grassroots level, when people are being fed at school or mm-hmm. at home or in these kind of places the food statistically over the years has become less and less nutrient uh, dense because um, we looked we had this discussion with one of the clients saying he couldn't believe um, having listened to one of our podcasts talking about roughly the same topic food availability no no, it was about it was about you are what you eat yeah yeah, yeah. and and things like that and and just showing people a practical example of a school dinner in the 1960s compared to a school dinner now which was consisted of rice mashed potatoes and what looked like 20 to 30 maybe 25 grams of protein and some porridge okay and then it, it consists potatoes and rice you had mashed potato like effectively two no i didn't say rice i said but i you said, just said rice you said rice I? and potatoes no no it was it was mashed potatoes it was a protein peas sorry, and peas was... yes and it was about so it's, let's say a balanced meal for a child yeah, and then I'd take say, yourself to this day yeah, i wouldn't age. say it's like the most palatable again for a small child or a child in general that's probably not going to want to eat that anyway and then fast forward now to what was pizza it? and chips. A slice of pizza and french fries. But I, I genuinely have seen this in, in, and I know know so many parents that will be listening yeah, to this. Yeah, but if, you, also if you're a small child, like starting off like that. No, it's a dream, but like this is that. the problem. Is that yeah, no, we... it's a dream because you're also getting mentally conditioned on palatable food, though. Do you know what I mean? No, but as the... As a, I have clients who send their kids to, I was saying this back to actually one of the clients that we were talking to this, you know, who send their kids to incredibly high-end private schools, you know, where money's not, I wouldn't say, an issue, you know what I mean? It's definitely there. And yet their children are being fed like the most exotic thing you've got is a tomato pasta with some cheese like if you if you're lucky and the rest is pizza on friday and the parents are like oh my god alarm bells not only that they weren't alarm bells based off of the food as such they were alarm bells of how hungry the children were when they were coming back from school and especially the boys they were coming back and were ravenous from school and the parents were like what the fuck? Why is my child starving? I thought they were eating at school. And it's because of the the nutritional value that this yeah, food is empty. giving you. It gives you nothing as a child. It, they, they because, just... again, they want to feed the children and they don't. But then you also, again, if you're programming, conditioning your children to consistently be accepting and wanting of incredibly hyper palatable food then it's going to warp their perception on food choices going forward because how are you going to that's not them that's not the parents that are doing no i'm not saying it's the parents but if you're at if your child is going to school and eating really palatable food and then coming home and you're trying to then balance it out with not saying no, absolutely. horrible she, I mean, food, she even but you're also trying to, like, trying to feed them something that, that is not, you know, like pizza or something like French fries and something a little bit more balanced that statistically might not be as pleasurable in the palate as a piece of pizza then is going to undermine your parenting but is also going to condition these children to always want to eat incredibly palatable foods. 
Well, yeah, I know. But, and it's also one of those things because a child spends so long at school, like, you know, you have to also take that into consideration. And these are all habits that then take, you take through to your adult life. Like that, that genuinely, I genuinely mean that. Like the desire for, you know, just constantly feeling like you can and you are very able to just continually overeat on things, you know, or to reach for things when you need to be rewarded. Like I still don't, I get it, giving a child sugar, number one, would just shut them up, do you know what I mean, if they were going out, you know, um, it's an easier option, but it's always been that level of reward with sugar and with like highly palatable food with kids, like where it's like you go to the dentist to get your teeth checked so you don't have them rotting, but yet you go and get a lollipop. Do you know but what I mean? But it's also your programming them in, in a subconscious way to be rewarded way, to be with, rewarded with palatable, palatable food. Yeah. And then everyone wonders why they are become emotionally attached or emotional eaters or, you know, when it's stressful, when it's, you know, things are not going great or, you know, for whatever reason. But I also come back around to diet Everyone then here, jumps back into the, you know, the stereotypical, you know, comforting themselves with food because I guess that's essentially what we've been taught over the years subconsciously by environment, environmental factors or, you know, parental in, in, inputs. I think, you know, there has to be a level of responsibility, like we've always said, um, on how a parent speaks to a child or has a relationship with a child in or with their food intake. Mm. I think there has to be uh, a resounding responsibility that your actions, your behaviour and your words is going to directly reflect onto Especially a child. Especially your actions. Your actions. And, your actions. And myself and Mark talk about this really often in the sense of like how I got myself to the position that I was in and my behaviors that I picked mm. up and it and we've we've full-on done a, <laughs> an integrated part of like fucking like case study and it's not blaming the way that I was brought up no but they were, they were it was the actions factors, and the behaviors yeah. of certain individuals in my family who I spent a lot of time that brought me into the behaviors whether Mm -hmm. it was actioned in the right or the wrong way Mm -hmm. that then actioned me to secretly eat binge eat feel like eating chocolate was disgusting in front of people and i still said to mark the other day like it's weird how my mind is i couldn't be further from where i ever was i mean in in that position but i still feel that um sense of sort of hiding things, do you know what I mean? Not hiding things, I say it food-wise. When somebody wants to eat something highly palatable and that sense of sort of like scurrying it away and doing it behind closed doors, I still have psychological, I don't do it, I never do it, and I haven't done it probably since we've ever been together actually, where I, my most, my worst was I was incredibly, I started to pile on a huge, huge amount of weight from effectively secret eating. And that was happening due to me being bullied at school, me having a number of different issues. And I used to just effectively Mm. find any way to get access to highly palatable food. I would eat it all in mass amounts in my bedroom. And then I used to hide it under the floorboards. Now I'm not joking about this. Until one day when my mum and dad had literally taken me to every single fucking professional, Mm. nutritionist, personal trainer, (coughs) you name it. I was only like 11 or 12 at the time. They were going test, people were so concerned, like, has this girl got, you know, a thyroid issue? Is she gonna have to go in? And my mum, like, found, like, under the floorboards, like, I'm talking bin bags worth of wrappers. Like, it was, it was, 
it was a very confrontational moment for a child and also a parent, you know. But I've also seen those traits with my parents yeah. with how much they've secretly eaten throughout the years. <laughs> and uh, it's not a funny situation sorry. though, because I don't, I'm sorry. But it is, it's it's stuff I've known that people have done. And I, I, I love to look back, but only to analyze why I did certain things, because I think it only puts me in a better position going forward. Mm. And it's just so, like, it's it's clear as fucking day as to why I did certain behaviours. And so I come back to, like, diet culture and that responsibility that parents shouldn't be blamed, especially when you're a fucking adult. If you're an adult, okay, right now, and you're still blaming your parents for the reason why you are overweight or having issues, mm. you still need to take responsibility that you are still an adult and it's up to you to adapt that, you know, and to make it better for yourself. Mm, mm. And the best way to go about there is probably talking about, if you're really that scarred with a lot of trauma of it, mm. you need to talk to a professional about it. Yeah. But it is that thing that you can't necessarily directly blame, oh, you know, you're 36, do you know what I mean? <laughs> you piled on maybe 15 kilos of weight, 20 kilos of weight, and you're there blaming your parents for diet culture. It doesn't really link up. Like, are you still a child or are you an adult on your own two feet? Now, that's when I come back to like, you know, what children see, you know, like, and, and where, you know, it might seem like so jokes, do you know what I mean? To have like, you know, and to feed a child this and to do this and to whatever and not really think about it. And there are people where the win of the day is just being able to put food on the fucking table, do you know what I mean? And that's mm. when you shouldn't really be overthinking these bloody things. It's, it's a reward having food there anyway. But if you are somebody that is a normal person with a decent income and you are respon you are responsible for your behaviors you put around food and not just food in every sense like we have so many clients that try and introduce their children to exercise at like a younger age mm. get them moving because schools statistically in the UK don't not the greatest no <laughs> you know but the problem is, is the influence of school. But like Mark said, like I, it's just this whole food availability with kids also with like vending yeah. machines and tuck shops and that yeah. reward thing and that yeah. constant like side hustle, you know, that brings yeah, in. Yeah, it, 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 it really blows my mind when you told me that you had all this type of availability for food at... Oh my God, it was gross how much food at, I had um, At school because... Um, it, it was gross. It would have I been exactly the same. I'll tell you and what I, I used I would, to eat. I would imagine, you know, there are, I get this, the stats to speak for themselves. There's more child obesity now than there ever has been. Yeah, yeah. Those statistics are consistently rising where, you know, the vast majority, I read somewhere, that 40% of children between the age of like 7 and 14 are, you know, almost clinically obese. And this is why I come round to the fact of why the government... So the government's in this situation where all these adults are more... Forget the ch children are, like, obviously that's diabolical. Well, children the, the, are starting their life of, that way. Yeah. But I look at the situation where you're now trying to unfuck the whole of the UK and the adults, OK? So the adults are all mm. obese, OK? So how can we do this? How can we attack the obesity I, in the UK with the adult system? Can I, can I just interrupt you quickly? Why is it the government's role to help people that put themselves in those positions themselves? 
Um, because there's reasons the government has to take responsibility for if the government's in control of the school education system. I think okay. there's a full-on link between education and obesity, if I'm honest with you. Okay. I think... I come back to the point of like you're focusing dialing in so much on the adults do you know what I mean where yeah. have already formed these habits and formed True. these lifestyles and formed these things of like excuses and and yeah. not just that then you've got clinical obesity where there's a, a you know a, a need for very serious intervention but on my point is is the government then should be looking at the education system and saying well if this is such a prevalent topic yeah. and and strain on our national health and the yeah. health of our and employment and recruitment and everything yeah. to do with this functionality of our fucking country, mm. then why the fuck are children not learning about nutrition at school? Because you can't expect the parents 40 years ago was mm. it were at school during Especially with years the diet ago. culture narratives. Plus with also got. a work full-time job trying to bring the child up. But it's me? also to that, to that older generation is riddled with diet culture oh, narratives. So like but with what you also, you also Yeah, I know, you've got reasons, but you've also got, you know, adults, parents that are scared of carbohydrates, think that sugar is bad for you. Diet Coke's going to kill you. You know, yeah. a glass of wine, everyone, it is, is good for your blood. Uh, you oh, know, do you want to start? I had a full-on debate with I mean? my there's parents all this the other. There's all this other, you know, so I'm, I'm 100% agreeing with you because, again, like the advancements of technology and having as much information at your fingertips, you do see it that the younger generation do on occasions where they have merit to actually correct the older generations and be like, hold on, that's not factually correct. Hold on, that's, you know, not uh, scientifically validated. So, you know, addressing your nutrition at school, like Georgia said, and trying to quantify it like like a GCSE or, or a, Absolutely. You know, something God, like that. Absolutely, my God, it's science for Christ's sake. Biology, like, yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's like, why are we learning like about plants, honestly? Like, honestly, like, why are we learning about plants and not ourselves? Exactly the same as, you know, when we should be learning about our hormones and what that does to us and the intricacies of how that's going to affect us throughout our life and all of these things that are so practical in our day-to-day -day bloody life to keep yeah. us alive yeah. and yet they're never highlighted. Instead, we'll be focusing on an earthquake from 1980, do you know what I mean? Tectonic Hoping that plates. That's tectonic plates is going to be the answer to the whole general population's issue. We're just not... The problem is, is there's no willingness to dedicate time. Nutrition is a fucking subject. But the government, you know I mean? the government have launched that in partnership with Vanguard, the work well scheme, the thing that we were talking about. And, you know, they are trying, they, they, the government does and other uh, industries do understand that absenteeism is, is increasing in the UK. More and more people are suffering from muscle dysfunctions. More and more people are suffering from metabolic health issues. And they want people to obviously stay in the workplace, not retire early. And they are now willing to 
test pilots and schemes to try and get people access to coaching to nutritional coaching to running clubs to you know modalities of movement to try and the problem is with that is that the fact that everyone that's working I, i honestly believe this i feel like everybody that works under the government not everybody but in the general statement they've all got different agendas haven't they do you know what i mean everyone's got a different agenda so if we look at the medical world and the health world the nutrition world the exercise world everyone's got a different agenda and this is where the problem comes out it needs to be standard like a standard general knowledge you know evidence-based from the top up in the specialist and everybody needs to be fucking collaborative and yeah. agree yeah. on these principles in order to influence a population of people you can't have one doctor saying oh do you know what you should be fasting the other one's doing keto because you know god forbid that you should ever eat carbohydrate and did you tell sugar's dead and your gut health's on the floor and so you're going these people are going dada what the fuck do you know what i mean like yeah, I know. we've got all these professionals yeah who mm. might be really academic or but that's why we don't things. that's why we don't necessarily we need to take into consider consideration the academics to a certain degree but just because you're an academic doesn't mean that you're you're capable of translating that academia into practical, practical application yeah. you can sit and again i'll take a shot at uh, tim specter who sits in his in his little glass castle throwing out the most obtuse and erroneous statements because he's never coached a person in his entire life so you can go out there and make all these stupid claims and and have confirmation biased on a rodent study that was done in 1972 to bolster your claims. But the reality is, is it has zero practical application. So waiting for, you know, men in lab coats to come and try and tell us the answer is not going to be... Uh, beneficial to the general population to be honest with you general population really just need to know the very basics but we just need to know the basics they need to be told more I think the general population just need to form a bond with a service provider a personal bond with a service provider that can then keep them accountable and you know movement and freedom of movement and expression of movement should be subsidised by the government so that every single person essentially can have a coach and that is the i feel the only one of the only ways that we'll be able to really see the vast majority in i would agree in the adult population right now yes yeah. going forward but yeah. i don't agree in the sense of the next future years i think that that there has to be an integral part of people forming their you know their youthful years with the whole like schooling system and 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 you know people say it's so much easier said than done it's like it's probably because it's, it's quite hard to find you know not really no, because no, it is, how many Mark. children are you know especially in southwest london or london that you know they encourage their children to play 13 musical instruments and speak seven different languages and they you know the extracurricular activity the child's on a schedule like he's a hedge fund it's manager. not the child it's where's the where is no, the I'm teachers where are the professionals can i be honest with you in teaching like most people say you're not paid enough you're asked to do a hell of a lot you've got to manage so much as a teacher and then you're expected to know us. And and to be honest with you, a career choice for a nutritionist would be going more private, consulting, mm, mm. or be getting paid more money, do you know what I mean? And yeah. that is the problem, is there's not enough people giving out this information. Exactly the same as why things mm. like HRT are still premium. You know what yeah. I mean? Because there's only a certain amount of specialists 
in the UK that can actually help these women or men, you know, whichever, mm. what you know, TRT, HRT. Mm. And so that has to put it at a premium level because they're specialists. Supply and demand. Supply yeah. and demand, exactly. So, you know, would I like to see, you know, this is not, that capitalist society is never going to run like this. But, I, I mean, the only way I can see people actually, absolute behavioural change is by educating people so that at least mm. they just have that consciousness. You have to emphasise sports and, you know, ex, like Georgia said, not just also going in with the stereotypical options, uh, dead-end options, or like, okay, you can only do, you know, this type of exercise if you do an extra extracurricular class or so on and so forth. It's giving... Uh, the children a, a wider variety of ways but to express themselves. But it's so easier said than done because the but money then also it takes trying to, is... to trying to prioritize it, and and it's going to require, you know, a shifting culture. If you look at the sporting culture in Zimbabwe, in... it's outdoors, Mark. The weather's yeah, shit here. I get here. it. I get it. But then away? you can, you know, there's enough intelligent individuals in this country to figure it out. Well, there's intelligence and there's also common sense and there's also money. Do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, like, for example, private schools, and not every private school is the same, but private schools have have funding behind them in order to have a world-renowned sports centre and a gym. And, a, no, and we got that. that. We had an indoor swimming pool. We had all of this shit. But, you know, a state school, a comprehensive school, is not going to have that accessibility of money, nor are they going to have the accessibility of the teachers that can help them with this. And so, you know, what? Yeah, are you going to ask the, accessib- the teachers We've got the accessibility nutrition? of the money just to, you know, piss it up the wall on PPE scandals that was given to all their mates. But Mark, you know, for fuck's sake, like that was enough a part money of the time to... when nobody had seen it in history before. Yeah, I know, but there's enough money to ship off to, you know, Ukraine. There's not enough money to look after the your generation. But Mark, that's because we're in a conservative we're in a conservative industry like a party at the moment, leadership, shall I say, who have always taken it like that and it's been taken the piss off. And I've always come from a conservative background, not because I choose any kind of politics, it's got no interest at all. Mm. I just wish they'd do fucking better and it annoys me, that's why I don't invest any time in it. and I also think you're all dumb do you know what I mean you're all very intelligent eaten fucking educated blah blah but you've got no common sense to practical day to day life and so I can't deal with politics because of that but at the end of the day whatever fucking rubs their little penises together is going to obviously promote the best answer at the end of the day Rishi Sunak whether or not he likes it or not is being rubbed up by some of the yes men do you know what I mean yes Rishi that's a good idea we should do that yes I'm amazing I'm amazing I'm amazing I I don't need to change anything barring the fact that the whole country needs to be changed it's fine do you know what I mean because we're in that leadership and I don't think it ever changes with politics you can't they siphon money away everywhere in this day and age but look at what happened with regards to one of the new clients that we've just signed on here He's gone through the entire NHS system because he's he's suffered stereotypically for his entire life with hip pain. You know, think about the the money, the 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 man hours, and all of this going into basically. You know, they're about to put him under the knife to have a hip replacement. All of this is purely preventative. If certain parameters are put in place, and just think of how much 
stress relief you could have on the NHS if there was a nationwide drive, just as there was. Because again, everyone forgets, everyone has a, has as amnesia when it came to COVID and you know people getting vaccinated. People were very interested in other people's health all of a sudden because oh you know if you don't do X Y and Z, you're not carrying the cross for humanity, and we're not going to X Y and Z. You know, there needs to be the same level of care for somebody else's metabolic health because of the strain that they're essentially putting on public services, which is completely and utterly avoidable if certain things are put in place. And But can I be honest with you? Where does that all start? Okay, so forget the people that fall over and injure themselves directly in life, okay? Majority of mobility issues come from the lifestyle that we live on a day-to-day basis. Now, the mobility issues are specific, specifically in hip, knees mm-hmm. specifically back. hips and knees and back yeah. have been linked to what weight gain or yes. excess weight body weight yeah. so where does the starting point lie how do you manage your weight on a day-to-day basis that you do not have a GP, direct impact there, are, there has to be a referral system for you to go into a uh, into a, a gp they do and they would have to, you know, you go through the, the, you know, you add on more quantifiable ways of, of quantifying someone's body composition. Not beca- BMI, yeah. Yeah, not just BMI. So again, that's But even if you are very you overweight, to, you should probably do BI yeah, guidelines. I don't know, to body, yeah, again, when you look at the entire population of millions or billions of people, BMI is a relatively good benchmark, you know, just to... You know, for a relative, honest, only people trying to quantify with that certain are people things. with lots of muscle mass. They're like, oh, fuck, you know, it's because I'm well stacked, yeah, I don't need BMI. Yeah. But the reality is, is BMI is still actually, but it's not going to full indicator, but it's a very good indicator. If you're overweight, it's, it's probably it's the going to require you to then change. You know, the, the when you go and do doc, uh, you're, you know, you're studying to be a GP. The same as when you're studying to be a physiotherapist, there needs to be more crossover on like. Uh, you know, mus- muscular dysfunctions into the GP and vice versa, and they need to instead of in seven years have thirty minutes of nutritional um, education, or they cover like they literally cover nutrition a, in a day or two days in seven years when you're studying to be a GP. There needs to be a change in the curriculum, and then when you go into the GP's office, you you they do the BMI, they quantify your muscle mass, and they you know then the reality is they should refer you out to a strength and conditioning coach or. Can I be honest with you, Jay? What they're again, trying come, to do. I come back to the same point, exactly the same point, which is, GPs don't all say the same answer. But they should, though. Absolutely. If you're a general practitioner in an NHS, you should be saying the same answer. Yeah. I have been. I'll never forget smoking. Like, oh, God, I used to smoke, like, chain smoke. And I was, and I went in, and obviously, like, I was really unhealthy. I obviously smoked. And they're like, how many cigarettes do you smoke? And I was like, I'll lie. Do you know what I mean? Seven a day. Do you know what I mean? It's more like 27. And and then, you know, busy fucking waffling. And this guy, he was a doctor, male doctor. He's like, oh, that's, you know, you need to cut down this. You're overweight, this, that. The guy sat there, morbidly overweight beast with a packet of cigarettes on the side at what fucking point do you think I'm going to listen to you like literally like you can't you know and the same is I've been into a doctor and many people I know with GPs have done this right you need to lose weight okay so what's the best way to do that they're all telling them different methodologies we've had clients that have gone to GP oh 
because oh let me tell you actually i've done the keto diet i think you should give it a try and they write it down on a piece of paper and give it to you to try yeah. like what the fuck yeah but that again like i'm saying that's because when they've gone through this entire process to get to where they have naught point naught 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 one percent of that study was based on actual you know nutritional science and you see it all the time where people even coming out of um degrees are going to someone like uh mun and who are, are like i've learned more in the you know the intake the first couple of months at this you know mnu mnu sorry yeah to then they covered in their entire nutritional degree because what people don't understand when you go and do a nutritional degree or a degree in nutritional sciences and stuff like that you're doing food labels and you're 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 doing a whole bunch of other science it's a lot more nutrient like there's yeah, a lot but it's more intricacies on not, non-practical. They're not that's teaching you how to apply it yeah. to general population. They're teaching you how to, you know, skirt around nutritional regulations to allow you within a 20%, you know, uh, error metric within your food labels and so on and so forth. It's got no actual practical application well, I would say it's, to helping there somebody. There is a little bit of case study work in there, but yeah, it's normally but it's related very small to amount. a very unique circumstance and I think people with specifically with nutrition that is not practical in my opinion or evidence-based whether it's evidence-based or not and it's not practical again, is they narrow down on, on focal points which are not necessary for a general population person yeah because everyone's majoring in the like, minors where everyone's like talking about the most obtuse micro influence that has no you know impact on the macro influences of your thermodynamics of a human body do you know what i mean it's like no, it only you takes you to... a fair few hundred clients do you know what i mean that you take through a journey to like have the practical experience do you know what i mean to say that good fucking luck putting them on that do you know what i mean good luck because i know because i've literally physically coached people day in day out so for years yeah, yeah, yeah. and years and years to understand what works and what doesn't work and also what works for certain people and what doesn't work for certain people and what's adherable and what gives some people success mm. what struggles people have whether it's emotional physical you know what i mean that you don't get that in like scientific no. lab work because like you there just is don't, none of that because none you of don't that. you don't meet the end user so how many people do you th- how many you know emails has tim Spector replied to on a fr- you know friday or saturday morning with a client complaining and and well, the best thing is he's just the, launched um, tr- a partnership with M&S, yeah, which M&S have done a, I, I mean, at some point, I mean, I've planned this for every single, like, literally franchise supermarket in my head for, I should just probably email it to them because I've got some amazing ideas. Um, but he's launched a partnership with M&S effectively on, like, gut health and the... I guess the prevalence of how important that is. And they've launched a gut shot, straight I mean, one of those little bottles, okay? Number one, absolutely fucking hilarious because that guy is a fucking con artist, whether or not you like it or not, okay? You might have been in studies or what, but you've said so many things that now people have picked up on and you've got to launch a product which is effectively against that, which 
a lot of people picked up on. Yeah. So people are like, number one, you've told us that like Yakult yeah, or the sugar's you. bad yeah. for us, we couldn't do that. In your latest YouTube, you said that single, you know, use the blah, blah, you shouldn't be doing that, but yet you've launched a single-use plastic on a gut shot, which is just the same as like Yakult, which you just fucking said was shit. It's effectively a very expensive kefir, like just drink do you know what I mean and the same as all of these things and the comments are astounding like if 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 Marks and Spencers look at that and think this is a great partnership I would be astounded because the negativity of course people buy that oh my god a gut shot oh Christ it's gonna help me but it's so against everything that he's fucking pushed for the past Two, three years away. And it's all about getting people's gut health better. What's you're going to rely on a single use plastic little shot. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You couldn't even launch something that lasted a week yeah, or, the, the, you know the, what I mean? And it's all this like n- unnecessary environmental impact, unnecessary impact. And you've just, you've just contradicted a lot of things you said. And unfortunately, like we said, 2024, 2025, 2026 is the year that people start to uncover a lot of shit. Mm. You do not have it in you as a brand, as a person to lie this day and age because you're going to get found out. And I've seen this happen on every scale, Mm. you know, whether you've lied here, lied there, whether Mm. you've got away with it or you're not. When you say things, people are going to take it literally now. And if you've ever said differently, they're going to have remembered. Mm -hmm. And it's just the way. So you've got to be very careful as to where you step forward, you know, in your... But I I find, you know, this whole... I always find Tim Spector to be incredibly middle class. Nobody can fucking afford that shit if you're you're not of of an income. And also nobody's fretting about those things unless you've got the time and the finances to worry about it. And I've always said this, like nobody's thinking, you know, if you can't put food on the table or you're struggling to pay rent or your fucking mortgage, you're not thinking about whacking a fucking patch on your arm to manage your muffin intake, do you Mm. know what I mean? You're not, you you know, but if, you know, you're a financier, got about one kilo to lose, do you know what I mean? And you run across Putney Bridge on a day-to-day basis, maybe a yellow patch for two weeks might complement your ego of some somewhere Mm. or another. Mm. But out of the people I have literally seen case studies, like 70% of people have got absolutely nothing from this. They're like, they just told us to eat a balanced diet. Or just eat more, veg- more, more or vegetables, just eat, or just eat vegetables, and and Plant reduce your you know. yeah reduce your 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 pro- uh, protein intake essentially, because pro- he was saying pro- excess protein makes you fat, excess protein turns into fat. That's one of our clients sent us a TikTok snippet of him saying that. And again, it's... it's No, there's context to everything with Tim. It's, so, it's, no, I, don't, I think there's context. Tim Spector's also been to, one of those ones where... To like the 2005. Of, where no, but like, Mark, like, let's be honest, it's clickbait at the end of the day. There is a lot that has been taken from podcast snippets This is the thing. Is I think it's also agenda. done on purpose in, in the sense where you go out there and you say you know really naive things so that people then comment and get enraged in the comments but but mark we're not having a conversation about that you shouldn't be taking like clickbait as the reality as to like who the person is no i'm not i'm just saying that that when you go in and you start telling people these things right because you're again you're not dealing with the end user you're you're sitting there you're making these claims and then you're riding off into the sunset to write another book deal or go and sign a contract with marks and spencers but people are taking your actual because they put have you uh, as a point of authority and they're taking your 
your words literally this man is telling me i should reduce my protein intake because it's going to make me fat well what happens when you reduce your protein intake you lose all your muscle mass and you end up more metabolically worse off than when you first started do you think he cares he doesn't even know you exist do you know what I mean? And this is why I get gets my backup because, yes, you can be the most you know researched researcher on the internet or the most qu quoted scientist, blah 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 blah. But if you're just going out there and telling people that if they drink orange juice they're going to get cancer, and do and say all this other dumb shit, then then I'm sorry. It just it's uh, uh, yeah. I mean, like I I mean, it's not. I mean. It's yeah, I think it's one of these things at this day and age where you don't realize that we're all influenced somewhere or another, and it's like a responsibility in the health industry to make sure that wording is correct. But let's put it into the context like, the reality is, it's never been like that, it's never going to it be never, like that. That is so true, it has never been like that. It's never been, but that, you know, we all come back to the fact that if we contradict each other enough, do you know what I mean? That people will just not, will be better off, which is just I like, think that's why we have so many different tribes within the industry, because we're just like, it's like a different, you know, offshoots of the Catholic religion. We all kind of believe different variations of the same thing, but we all die hard to our own little groups of individuals. Yeah, I mean, I do get amazed. I was saying this to a client, I was having such a, I had a massive debate with a client the other day. Because uh, she's got quite a warped perception on food. She's actually a training client of mine um, who I began to like help with obviously nutrition and stuff, but very, very warped diet culture, like yeah, in their 50s, do you know what I mean? Like just a very different opinion on food than what I guess you would want somebody to have. And we were having all this conversation. It wasn't actually about nutrition, it was actually about skincare. And I said, you know, actually, like, I don't really see the point, you know, we have this conversation and she said, it's, it's amazing how much stuff people put on their face these days. And I said, yeah, I know it is a bit excessive, but I said at the end of the day, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, putting SPS, she was like, surely the chemicals are really damaging to us and all of these things. And I just said, well, no different to having sort of a couple of glasses of wine in the evening and not really thinking. And she said... No, she said, um, but wine's grown from fruit, do you know what I mean? And the way it's processed is, is uh, less processed than skincare. So wine should actually be a better alternative than... And I just looked at her, I was like, I couldn't disagree with you more. Mm. I was like, the fact that you willingly are open to say that alcohol is a benefit to you is okay. Like, But I said to Mark the other day because we were talking about the media, I said, if the, if people had literally picked up and utilised everything the media said, you'd probably be dead. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the amount of different health fucking trades and this eat, is bad for you, this is bad. You wouldn't put anything in your mouth. No, you would. Because you would, you would say, somebody <laughs> would say to you that carbs are bad for you, then you'd be like, okay, no carbs for me then. And then, and then I sat there and I said... And then you'd be like, protein's bad for you. Okay, well, no protein for me then. You know, high fat diets are bad for you. Okay, well, no fat for me then. Then you've got, you know, especially in America, people who say that vegetables kill you because of the pesticides on to them. To be fair, it's gross. And then all of a sudden, you know, what are you eating? You know, if you're not eating protein, carbs, fats, vegetables, fruit, um, you know... You're drinking water essentially until you until you physically die. But nobody's ever doing that because people's actions are very very different to what they what comes out of their mouth. Like you know, it's like it's one of those things where you know, I am always amazed. I'm totally amazed. And this is why I come back to the point why it should be a subject at school so people can maybe feel like they're somewhat professional. But 
it does amaze me with the amount of people that not only we work with, but also our knowledge and our, our jobs and our careers, how somebody with absolutely zero, zero nutritional understanding, walked diet culture, everything like that can even share their opinion. Just like on any, like what puts you in the right effectively, you could influence somebody to do something. Because everyone feels like their opinion is valid. Not when it comes to self-professional. When you go to the doctors and you're diagnosed with cancer, no, I'm not. Sorry, do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's only scans. No, I'm not. (laughs) There are certain. So you've been been diagnosed with cancer. Fuck off. Well, look at what happened to Steve. Steve Jobs. He refused traditional cancer treatment because he thought he could beat his type of pancreatic cancer with eating fruit. Again, probably taken by a professional when yeah. a professional told them that you could be a fruitarian yeah. and survive yeah. cancer. Yeah. And again, horrific, cancer shit, but you're not going to a medical, do- you're not going to, an- you go to a doctor for an answer, yeah? yeah. You go, hello, I'm ill. Hello, is, like, something's wrong to, with me. I need an answer. I need medicine. We need to, I think, you know, obviously there are huge advances in modern medicine with regards to the certain elements, which again, like, you know, we're on our way to eradicating cancer and all these other things. So, like, there is, it's not all doom and gloom. We're just talking about, like, your general... What are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that, like, you only have a right to have, like, you don't you don't fight back at a professional's opinion. But yet, when it comes to nutrition and holistic, like, you could say the holistic side of it, mm. everyone's got there's way too answers. much of a professional opinion to not be a professional. But they, do you not think that that's because there's too many answers? Because if you go to the thing and you're diagnosed, okay, you've got cancer, right? You need to get cancer treatment. Nobody's really going to argue on over that. Do you know what I mean? That's pretty bog standard. But if you went to the doctor, and depending on the doctor, he was like, one doctor said, okay, no, you need chemotherapy. The next doctor said, no, you don't need chemotherapy. You need... But this is what I'm saying. You know, I'm saying like nobody... But But if you went to GPs 10 different doctors do and got 10 different things, answers... Not on cancer then, diagnosis, yeah, but, but in I'm the saying sense of how you treat did, it... But I'm saying if they, but I'm hypothetical. Let's be hypothetical. You go in, and you you see fifteen different doctors, and all fifteen different doctors give you a different outcome and a different method of curing. Like I've always said, what the responsibility is in the influence. Do you know what I mean, yeah, people but what would you do though? Things. What would you do if you were in that situation? You would probably go off the per. You'd go with. I don't the think you see 15 specialists. To be quite fucking honest, let's you'd be hypothetical. Say three. But um, I'm saying you would go with the person that you influences you the most. Uh, not everybody's illogical, but yeah, you would say the one that sounded the most secure and confident mm. in the situation, you probably exactly. would. But you know, I've you know we've and had the clients who've gone through cancer of... treatment with us, and they've chosen to not take a more medical opinion, and they've gone functional medicine, which is very different to yeah. medicine. Do you know what I mean? But can I be honest with you? far less impact on their actual health since coming out of cancer treatment because they haven't done the direct route of medical, hectic medical interventions, pharmaceutical way. But I'm not saying, you know, it's just one of these things where I just get amazed where, where like, why it's our jobs, you know, not, not the personal training element of our mm. jobs. I think mm. that's completely irrelevant saying this the level of responsibility we have in our jobs to make sure that we're actually taking some responsibility for a client's health, you know what I mean? Mm. That, I know you're always gonna have complete con artists in the world which don't see it like that, they just utilize it for their own benefit. But if you're actually a health professional, you're meant to like 
actually want to help people like better their health and so I do think there must there needs to be a more collaborative effort that that's the only way I mean whether it's actually going to work or not because it probably won't and that's the misery of it is the fact that like it doesn't seem to change you know what I mean if anything it seems to progress in the wrong direction and everyone seems to be worse off so the best thing is to look at it for what it is now and say let's have some common sense here do you know what I mean and 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 that's I mean again I think it comes down to the availability of people like who who's doing this you know you've only got a population of 60 70 million in the UK you know how many of those are actually qualified or specialists in this industry? How many people have an interest in it? But I think if you you would have more professionals, hear me out, if you brought it into the educational system. Yeah. Because people would be like, oh, I'm quite interested at that age eight, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 10, 12, just the same as learning a but different if there language. Was a subs- if there was some form of subsidization for movement and you could make a decent living from it, you know, tr- Doing boot camps or personal training people, or run or run clubs, or just yeah, exactly. But if you were able to make a decent living from that, and like you said, it was prioritised more growing up at grassroots level, then you would have more people willing to, you know, take it as a as a career option because a lot of people essentially, the fitness industry is really really tough. Like ninety percent statistically, ninety percent of people, well, the industry in general is ninety percent of people give up after the first three months. So, and that's because obtaining clients and you know the lifestyle and the you know X Y and Z it can be quite challenging. But if that was made easier through subsidisation and mass adoption, then you would have more service providers and. I don't think movement's the fucking problem. You can go out for a walk very easily. It all comes down to the education. If you are not educated, it's the same as if you don't understand what you intake on a day-to-day basis, it would be make common sense to write it down, yeah? Like, whether that's a food diary or on tracking, it would just make sense to go, okay, well, I don't understand this, or I need to get better on what I'm intake, I should write it down, like we have to do with everything, you know? Mm. But... I still think it all boils down your conscious level of knowledge on a day-to-day basis, whether you say it out loud, if you have learned certain principles, you are going to make them more consciously aware in your brain. So when you, if you know, do you know what I mean, that you need to eat X amount of protein because you've learned that protein make is the you know the building blocks to your whole entire body and immune system. You know what I mean. You're then going to say in your brain once you've learned it repetitively over the years and had an interest that that protein is is important. So consciously, yeah. whether or not you have a, a day where you eat like a toddler or a few weeks or a few, you're consciously still going to be aware of something you learned because how are we still picking up on behaviours that we learned when we were five? Do you know what I mean? And actually and when we're 40 you know it's exactly the same thing and i just i just think that like if it's all boils down more specialists comes down to i don't think knowledge equals application though no but if you are no it doesn't equal application but if you bring it to highlight how you manage your weight you don't just like shove you know basic biology where you just like go and get a load of school children put themselves on a scale do you know what I mean it's like oh that's how much you weigh wow you're fat do you know what I mean literally that's what we had to do at school you know I would just say that yes again comes down to food you know like I said food availability all of this there's so many factors but if you were to go clean state from the children born right bloody now 
to, you know, when they turned six, and you brought it into the education system and there was not a day in their non yeah, 18 years of education where something wasn't brought up about it and you had the choices to be able to learn more about it, I can assure you there would be a massive increase in people living a healthier lifestyle. It's just known that if you are more consciously aware of things, mm. do you know what I mean? You action it without really thinking. So I'm not saying it, it forces the, you know, somebody getting off their arse at 45 now to go and apply. You know, I think that's really is, you know, it does take a lot of will, want, motivation, make sure your environment's correct. But I'm thinking like, I, I think to all these things of subsidizing this, getting that, getting that. Well, we all are still avoiding the one thing. What gets people to be able to be a trainer to somebody, be a nutritionist to somebody? What is education? It's the no, only thing that. that's still valid in this day and age. As like but a... I also do think that there is a rise of information. We have so much information at our fingertips. You can pretty much learn anything you really, really want. Mark, with but enough... your child, Mark, but a child. But it comes down to application. Mark, I don't give a fuck about an adult right now. I'm talking about forming years. No, if you that's want, what I'm saying. But even as a child, they can have, if they want, get as much information as possible. It still comes down to actioning the information on a regular Mark, basis. Mark, the point is, is you need to be ingraining certain types of habits and understanding. If that's not going to come from the parents, do you know what I mean? Then where do you form it at? Sure. School. And I appreciate the application of people. This day. Yes, why, where do you go in an attack at the adult level? Do you know what I mean? In the sense of trying to reform that. Well, again, that would be done it would at be work good then. if we could educate some more professionals in the right way. But that would we then be done at work. The it whole... has to be, re be revolutionised, like you said, grassroots level at school and then at people's work through corporate wellness. Uh, that's a little bit yes and no. I would say that school, yes. Uh, corporate wellness, great. Into workplace, yes. But in the sense of, you know, trying to find people who, you know, can help you. You know, a lot of 60-year-olds need 30-year-olds' help. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In the sense of things. It's, it's happening in that generation. What I'm trying to say is when we turn 60, mm. bloody well fucking hope that there's... 30 year olds, you know what I mean, that are very well qualified to be able to be helping all these people at the top. You never realise this, but like half the people that are directly helping people mm. are helping people of like double their age or and some. Yeah. Is that not telling you something? Um, well, I guess it's generational because it wasn't prevalent in their generation, so the chances of you know, service yeah, so providers within that generation. Twenty twenty onwards of children born start to have something integrated in an educational system. Mm. Tick 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 tick. More professionals come out. More people to help. More mm. people to mm. help those generations that didn't mm. have it come through. But yeah. I still think it comes down to that. I didn't learn anything about food. I was just given it. No, I'm saying. And here. I had access to it. So and I liked it and I ate it and I used to wake up and I used to make 
I used to make a thing out of the fact that I was going to walk to school by myself so I could go and eat two Galaxy bars before arriving at school, take another two bars in my blazer pocket, nice. eat a panini with hash browns, Ooh. go to the vending machine, eat chocolate, go into the packet of my fucking blazer, eat chocolate. Then I'd have lunch with a full canteen, maybe go to McDonald's when we start to drive or get somebody to bring it to you or go into the town and buy something or have Damn. a full canteen. Then right, you come you, back, you've got your you, healthy you dinner from your mum thinks you're all fucking dark you're, culture 101 um, and then you're feeling away fucking chocolate in your bedroom because you're. you've managed to buy it so i see this direct impact it has on people and i think we can fucking change it but it just comes down to a collaborative effort and that's when i see there's problems after, <laughs> literally like after you've eaten all that food in the day what are you what are your bathroom habits now oh mark we don't need to be going this is many years ago but like the reality is is it's nothing's nice at that point do you know what I mean and you're not very comfortable and that's the last thing you're thinking about as well but I just see like you know can you not see like tick 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 and it's all just somebody develops into an but awful do you think situation. that if you had been highlighted more on nutritional you know knowledge and impact if, would that you yeah you know, hypothetically hypothetically would that have changed George's eating I was habits? I was put into a collective group or what you could say not a collective group uh, um, vast amounts of different individuals that all said different things. No, but let's assume that that it was very concise, very factually and evidence-based, and it was the best possible... I listened to what I was told. Yeah, but yes. let's assume that it was correct. Let's assume, that, would you have then changed your eating habits and been like, if you had been educated properly, would you have been like, okay, I need to stop doing this and stopped it? Or do you think it, it, regardless of what you had been told and educated, you would have still continued with those eating habits? Well, I think you're not, you can't always think that telling somebody is going to ingrain it into them. It's about the action that they want you to do afterwards. So most of the time when you're told stuff by a nutritional professional, there's going to be an action point afterwards. And it's what that action point is as to whether it's then successful or not. So if I had been told the right thing, 150% I would have actioned probably the diet plan they gave me, the meal planning structure, the foods that they wanted me to eat. But because I was told the opposite, I was put onto loads of foods which were fucking adverse. I had to go to like a butcher to get these special sausages, do you know what I mean, that were like only made of like certain mints. And, you know, I could only eat like blue corn tortilla chips. God forbid I should eat. Like it was the most bizarre array of food. And I was put in, I've been put on this numerous times. I've been, you know, PTs then that were not nutritionally qualified gave me a load of shit as well and all of this. But no, I definitely took what was said to me by a professional and I actioned it. Okay. So no, I never went to like a consult, do you know what I mean? And had no action plan afterwards. But no, they gave me a plan and it was my responsibility to action and follow it to see a result. Okay. Unfortunately, that plan was not sustainable and didn't take my lifestyle yeah. into a... I was only, what, 12 at the time when it started going yeah, bad. Yeah, Fuck, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. And then I was in a PT who was making me run for fucking ages, do you know what I mean? And no carbs after five. I listened to that. I did it. Yeah, it's, it just fucks everybody up. Yeah, it? it's not to say that we haven't... Like, I, I literally... I'll never forget taking... Ordering Semtex, like, fat burner pills, and literally going for a run at 2 a.m. in the morning. That's David Goggins. That's David Goggins. Yeah, stay hard. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing hard. wrong with that. Fucking you. You need to be... But you know what I mean? Like, that constant need that... How, like, like what we always say, how, how much does this consume your brain on a day-to-day basis? How you feel, how you look, how you act, your behaviours. Like, we're not 
oblivious to it as humans you know what i mean there's certain things that make us feel good there's certain things that don't make us feel good mm-hmm. so i don't really see like it it is one of these things where i just feel like people's brains would be less scrambled egg mm. Less it's just a, a straight answer. Yeah, I just still a remember answer. all the layers of a plant. Do I don't. I, mean? okay, I don't blame people time. because all we do is just argue. Do you know what I mean? Most of the time, with you know people with different you know exercise types, different uh, nutritional strategies, different you know X, Y, and Z. It's it is very. I never argue with anybody getting, about exercise. No, we don't. I don't. Choice. We don't argue with anybody personally. Well, but I'm just saying argue. in the general sphere there is a lot of contradictory information that goes out which just confuses people so i understand you know not having a very concise evidence-based answer can be you know very detrimental again it's this whole thing is a brand as well you know a lot of these people you know you have to create a brand from yourself these days because otherwise like there's nothing really relative and remember that brand can be shown in so many different ways and so for you to really stand out you've really got to like create something that makes you wantable or see value in it and and that's also a problem like because you know the evidence base the this the that and also because you're building a brand there is a personal journey behind it Mm. what is that personal journey and that's going to dictate whether or not somebody gives you the right non-biased opinion or a very biased opinion when it comes to nutrition Mm. so if you're going to a specialist don't know, maybe they were previously had an eating disorder, do you know what I mean? And now no eating disorder, but they can sort of rein it in and eat quinoa at, you know, all times of the hour and a fucking gut health smoothie and stuff. Yeah. But for you, that's probably not really the right thing. Mm. Do you not think you're going to be then pushed onto, oh, you need to do a gut reset and, you know, and this yeah, and yeah, a quinoa yeah, bowl at 12 and, a, and this. But it doesn't mean it works for you. And this is the thing, like, that's why... The only nutritional tool that I can comfortably educate people on, honestly, I mean this, where I know deep down they're going to have the most revolutionary experience with is Mm. tracking your food because it doesn't set any parallel. There's no perimeters here. Nobody's told you you can't have your fucking pizza. Do you know what I mean? You're just taking accountability for it and making better choices. It's not you're going to be embarking onto a fucking meal plan that's full of a load of shit you'd never eat. It's not that you're going to be given a medication to lose weight. It's not because you're going to be reliant on anything. Mm. It's just maths. Do you know what I mean? It's just a, it's a calculator. Yeah, it's a calculator. That's all you do. And, and, the, and yet the freedom, it's there. Do you know what I mean? It's totally in your hands. You feel, because you can, obviously with a learning process, learn, not be on anything, not rely on anything. Just the fact that you've got to be accountable to it. You know, and that's why I'm at the only, it's the only nutritional tool I will comfortably, happily like you know motivate educate tell people about because i don't believe that any other strategy as such doesn't then make you reliant on something very true like just something like you know whether as i said there's plenty of things you can be reliant on in diets or this and that and and calorie tracking or macronutrient tracking nutritional tracking not just from a weight loss standpoint from every health standpoint it's just showing you what you eat you know, it yeah, really is that. And then you strategize that based off of what your goal is. And your lifestyle. And your lifestyle. So 
Today we've gone on a well very done. large circle. Have we? Have we gone in a circle? We've I don't gone think in very we've gone many in a ways. Circle. No, I think we've we've stayed on t- on topic pretty much throughout. <laughs> yeah, we've done a little bit of. We haven't be- we haven't gone on any tangents today. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, no, but we've gone in like different circles. But hopefully, this gives you just a better understanding of just like. Yeah. why certain th- principles should be put in place, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and why certain elements are a better choice for you. And it's not because, you know, fuck me, I could literally, I wouldn't have any clients if my fitness power was like actually, te- you know what I mean? Like I'm telling people to go and effectively have a complete free source of helping yourself, you know what I mean? Like mm. it's, not, it's not for any benefit from us, but I just know, I just know you know, I've done a paleo lifestyle, I've done a keto lifestyle, I've done everything, mm. I've done it properly. I've done it completely and utterly properly. Yeah, I think... And none of it was what sustainable. What people don't really understand is prior to, you know, the late latter years where you could go on to, you know, PubMed or Google Scholar to quantify scientific research or evidence-based research, we, or us personally, people within the industry, have moved towards this more evidence-based answer because we've done all of the diets the but also keto we've experienced diets. with individuals like why does this not work do you know what i mean like, why is somebody fighting against this why is this unsustainable why is the feedback you get from somebody not 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 positive like and you've got to go through those rounds with nutrition and realize it's because your diet is made up of whatever the bloody hell you want it to and yes there's so many as we always say factors that entwine into this but yes like the reality is is that if you honestly can't see yourself doing more than 12 weeks and you're literally setting yourself up right do you know what i mean like here we go do you know what i mean here we go you know you you're in for a problem and i always say that so just think logically at the end of the day nutrition needs to be something that fuels Mm. you for the rest of your life and no. if you want to have less medical problems, less, mo- less mobility problems, yeah. less mental health problems, less, you know, then looking at nutrition and how it fuels on a day-to-day basis should be pretty crucial, yeah. in my opinion. So anyway. What from... do you have to say, Mia? Oh my God, can you hear her in the microphone? I reckon you could. You... Snorkel face. You want everybody to eat dog biscuits. Yeah. Chickum stickum. People have probably got no idea what's going on. Mia's currently on Mark's lap. Yeah, He's she, our dog, obviously. And she's kissing the microphone. Yeah, she gives you all a big kissy. Sniffy, um, sniffy, snort. God, people get really weird around animals, don't they? I'm obsessed with our pets. Yeah. They're children to us. Yeah. Anyway, guys, anyway, hope guys. that was informative. We'll be back with another podcast next week. We hope you have a good week, and we will speak to you soon. Bye. Ciao.